take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. Morning, Joseph. How, How you doing, are you, sir? Man? All right. This, this is the worst uh, breakfast I've ever had. <laughs> but the, the good news is the, uh, the the waiters aren't here uh, to put their thumb in anything. We're uh, currently at the BJ's Country Kitchen. Uh, not a country kitchen, and not nearly as good as a BJ, but still. Hmm. Bija Machito. Yeah. Anyways, um, we are going to be uh, a little off, a little off-road here. Not in our usual. Pod palaces by any stretch of the imagination. We're here to talk about a nice movie. What was the year? 78. <laughs> I would blame that on you being. Joe's chewing on bacon and I'm trying to fill that. Well, Tom's completely hungover, number one. Yeah. That's number one. We're in a terrible. Also, I saw this movie two weeks ago. <laughs> terrible, terrible location. <laughs> You're seven years off on the movie. Yeah, well. Um, Alright, so it was 1980. All right, so it's a terrible start, but that's okay. 72? 71. 71. Even your math is terrible. Yeah. All right, so we're talking about uh, 1971. Judgment is terrible. Carnal Knowledge. Carnal Knowledge. Okay, uh, wow. Okay, this, so a lot of... This came out of left field, right? We were looking at uh, <coughs> doing a couple of couple of potential movies, and we kind of settled on this as one of them, and the other we couldn't find. And this was basically a Mike Nichols. No, that's not what happened. What happened was I said we should do an episode on this movie, and you thought that wouldn't be enough because you hadn't seen it. Right. I mean, that's a temptation, right? If you want to do an episode on one movie and you haven't seen it, the thought is it just won't cut it because it's probably not going to be interesting enough. by the way, coming from the guy who almost always gets, makes us do three movies. But you okay, actually have, more often than not, I've, I've more often than you, by like miles, I've tried to do one movie. Oh. Perhaps, always with an objection. Oh, my God. The and, then, and then, so then what happened was... Tom had a, uh, a normal, I would say, insecurity. Like, I don't know this movie. Could it last? So we thought, okay, we'll do Mike Nichols, who directed this movie, Carnal Knowledge. Carnal Knowledge. Um, but Mike Nichols had previously done The Graduate, which, which seems like we want to do it somewhere else. Right. Uh, who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Right. Who's, I think it's first or maybe second movie, which, again, we want to do somewhere else, which left us with not much else because he's a guy, Mike Nichols is a guy who hasn't done a ton of movies. They're just right. memorable, mm-hmm. except this other movie. He's done a couple of, he's done a couple, though. That is uh, called Day of the Dolphin. Day of the Dolphin, Which right. is, you know. Which I, when I was a kid, I loved it. That was my, that was my, that was my, Animal, uh, my animal, I, you know, kid crying at the end of an animal movie. That was my movie, that one. But can you understand why Carnal Knowledge and then having to do the second movie as Day of the Dolphin would be like riding in a Rolls Royce and then getting in a bumper car? Yeah, we do that all the time on this podcast. Yeah, you might be right about that. But, it's unnec- <laughs> but unnecessary. Unnecessary, I would say. Oh, man. So there's this whole era, like, somewhere around... But we couldn't find a free... We couldn't find any version online of Day of the Dolphin. Yeah, and it doesn't so. matter anyway. So anyways... So there's a reason for Carnal that. Knowledge, yeah. So Carnal Knowledge... So it's a not a great movie, by the way. Day of the Dolphin? Is, no. I, I know now that it's not a good movie. No, at the time, it's... it was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good crybaby so, Tom. So there's this time, period of time, like, um, probably, I would say, starting with, like, the adaptation of Philip Roth, Goodbye Columbus, 1969, Richard Benjamin, Ellie McGraw, summer of 42, yeah. I think from 71 or 72, and it's like, there's a there's a, a, a divide in the road, I think, and it's like, whereas in 73 you have 
um, American Graffiti and and what it begets like at bad carbon copies is worse and worse versions of like the teenage film, right? right, right. Like American Graffiti had depth and then everything after it was like everything Hollywood Nights, Porkies, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there's the other road, the other sort of fork in the road is like your Goodbye Columbus, your Summer of 42, and Carnal Knowledge. Basically, movies, quiet, sort of thoughtful movies about male sexual insecurity. Does that seem like a way to put it? No, I don't think I, I don't see this as a movie that's that's primarily moved by male sexual insecurity. I think it's more complex than that. Okay. I mean, I agree that that's a huge part that's of a it. Part of it, yeah. But okay, yeah. I mean, it's but but like really thoughtful, like movies that couldn't possibly get made today. Like th these are like like super thoughtful movies. Yeah. In a quiet way that that force you, that challenge you, the the viewer. To really sit through and watch this thing. Well, that's kind of interesting because I think they can get, they just don't get much play. There was a movie and uh, came out about 10 years ago with Julia Roberts and. Um, Aaron Brockovich, you're right. Uh, Jude Law and a few others called, uh, Natalie Portman called Closer. Oh. And it was about these two couples who had, um, through this lattice work of events, had sort of all cheated on each other and confronted each other. Okay. So I think these movies happen. It's just that you've never heard of Closer, right? Right. Well, yeah. There's not a lot of, I guess there's not a lot of uh, press about them. And they're not as common as they seem to have been at that time period. This was a time period where, like, the people, like, the, the exploration of maybe not insecurity so much as neuroses or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was, was very much a part of, like, culture. Oh, I'll tell you another one. Sorry, another one. So you like any hall or, or something like that. Like there's this there's this sort of thoughtful approach to human frailty that occurred mm. in movies at this time period that is kind of we just don't really have it. Like, I'll tell you like another one was that. the Ice Storm. Have you ever seen the Ice Storm with Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver based no. on the uh, Rick Moody novel? No, no. It's all about the same sort of thing. It's examining this one's from the '90s, but it examines like our mistakes in the '70s with the key parties because uh -huh. this word this is on the cusp. If you think about key party as like a metaphor for what was happening post '60s in the 1970s, it's like two things are, are merging, and it's like it you know post the sexual revolution, it, it's sort of like um, it merges with selfishness of the '70s. Yes. Right. So whereas like the '60s, there was this naivete about like who's to own and share. Right. In, in the '70s, it's like ha ha ha, kind of like a cynical sense of sharing, if you yeah. will, right? Or 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 a sense that the sharing was cynical in nature, and it, it just gets skewed by the '70s culture. It's really interesting. What is the '70s culture that skews it? Just so I get well, just, just the selfishness of it, yeah. right? So yeah. so the selfishness forces you to say, well, the '60s failed. Yeah. So the '60s were, you know, that that was just part of the uh, part of the con. I don't know. It's just yeah. it, there's a there's this there's this sort of shameful distrust of what happened in the '60s. Both periods were periods of like sort of societal exploration, I think. Yeah. But very different vibes, like hugely different vibes. Right. Like, like I mean, you ever remember Serial? Oh yeah, 1980s Serial. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a, that's a beautiful movie, but it really is exp it's kind of satirizing it's what satirizing it just happened. Satirizing the whole thing. It's yeah, all yeah, yeah. 70s culture like. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. What had just happened or was coming to a close. Right, right. It's interesting, though, that, that what happened out of Serial wasn't that we got an 80s. Of course, it's Martin Mull, which I, I trust Martin Mull for just about anything. Not but Christopher Lee. What ha yeah, Christopher Lee. What <laughs> happens out, out of or post-Serial in the 1980s is not a recognition of what happened, but a total acceptance. Right? So if the 60s is naivete, right. and the 70s is sort of a cynicism, 
You're just you're just um, it's completely absorbed in selfishness. Uh, yeah, eighties yeah. becomes the ownership of selfishness. A celebration right? of it, right? Yeah, really. Yeah, okay. The celebration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because I think the seventies were like a, in some ways a fantastic. There was some fantastic possibilities in the seventies. Yeah. But they just they just didn't they didn't get realized. Our, our our culture was not advanced enough to pull it off. I think. I guess so. And so so that's that's why I'm curious about this because I I, I don't disagree with you that that what Mike Nichols and 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 the cast is doing here is is exploring male sexual insecurity. Mm-hmm. It certainly it seems like the most obvious thing, but I think it's more complex and, and interesting than that, right? So sure. it's like, all right, so let's let's so we have Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson and of all fucking people. Art Garfunkel. Garfunkel, yeah. Who I thought was great. He did a good job. Well, yeah. but, but he didn't he didn't have to stretch as an actor. I mean, Jack Nicholson's the actor in this movie. That's that, he's the guy who's really carrying the scenes <sighs> hard. But I would say Art Garfunkel did a really good job of like you know carrying the bag. It's hard to say because with Jack Nicholson, it's it's very hard to say when he is doing great acting or whether you know because famously the, by the time that the party came around, he, yeah. he was like a caricature of himself. It's but always good way, to see him actually doing something with his talent. Well, right? but the, this but, was that time period. But was he? That's I don't know if he ever has been. He's one of those guys that like he might just always be so interesting as Jack Nicholson until you're finally over him that he wasn't because I just saw Easy Rider for the first time last night (laughs) and he was the most interesting thing in Easy Rider to me by far but it strikes me that Easy Rider is two years before this and they're not the same character by any stretch but they're also just sort of like him wackadoodling around Mm. He does a lot of wackadoodling. Thank you, sir. And then I think maybe the answer, let's throw this out here, is he's just gotten, he's gotten more, he's become the bullion of the weirder part of Jack Nicholson yeah, maybe. over the years. Maybe that's what Distilled it is. Distilled or something uh, like we that. We just like to look back and go, oh, he wasn't a hyper, you know, lunatic back then. Yeah. And so we call that act. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's no I'm movie. Willing, I mean, think about it. I'm willing like, to concede that. It's Cuckoo's Nest. Or like, it's just movie after movie, you know, it's just like, here's Jack. It's, it's, that's Jack Nicholson, right? And so in a way, I don't know how, I've never seen Garfunkel do anything but fail as a second half of of Simon and Garfunkel. Tremendously good part of Simon and Garfunkel, but then Simon went on to be Simon. Right. And Garfunkel went on to become basically a joke. I have nothing to judge it against. And so, yeah, yeah, the oats, right? Yeah. (laughs) Garfunkel and oats. Garfunkel and oats, right. Yeah, so, so, so Garfunkel is, I don't know whether he was being a subtle actor or just being the most that Garfunkel could be. But yeah, whatever he was, he was he was, he was perfect. Very, he was he was super adequate for this role. Yeah, he, he was a perfect sort of a, a a foil. A foil, right? For for Nicholson, right? Right. All right. So 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 you have this sort of um, they start in the like it's like 1950, I want to say. Right. It's just post World War II. They're college students. Um, very naive. It really starts off looking like it's going to be class. Remember that movie? Oh, that's another one. That's another manifestation of these movies I was going to talk about. It's yeah. not a manifestation of 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 um, uh, American Graffiti, but rather of this type of movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, and it's and it's, it's coming fun. of age. It it's looks coming, like coming of age. age. And you have them sort of barely uh, too old, probably and for the role. Justitating, like they're having that conversation. Yeah, and they're 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 you know uh, dorm mates, and yeah. they sort of like talk throughout the night. Right. It's going to have a, like a summer of forty two vibe to it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, Jack Nicholson is of course the, certainly the alpha of the two. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. the one doing the most lying about how how much ass he's getting. Sure. Yeah, they're both virginal, but but Jack. Nicholson's been reading, uh, you know, sunbathing magazines and getting <laughs> tips and National Geographic and all that stuff. And, and so, their first the object of their desire is Candace, a young Candace Bergen, Candace Bergen who's, who's at the college, looking pretty, pretty nice. 
See, now here's the thing about That's that right. is is you know, our, it's a classic tale in this sense. The first the first like act is kind of classic, right? So it's yeah. like Art Garfunkel's the really sort of the nice guy who really really likes Candace Bergen. He's yeah. shy because he's a sort of interesting shy guy. She she responds to him. Right. Um, he desperately wants to get in her pants. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a, like an ass about it. Yeah, but but he's trying to be, but he's 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 caught up on the gentleman trope a little bit too hard, right? Maybe he's kind of a pussy. Let's be honest. Jack Nicholson, on the other hand, is much le- has much less in the way of scruples. Well, I, I don't I don't know that that Gar- Garfunkel's a pussy necessarily. In that to be a pussy, you have to know something and then deny yourself of it. He just doesn't seem to know it. He doesn't seem to understand how that works. Okay. And and Jack Nicholson doesn't either. And in fact, here's what's complex about it. I actually think Jack Nicholson understands less about it than Garfunkel does. <laughs> Probably. Because here he has to wait. He has to send in the first wave of soldiers yeah. to get shot down to weaken the situation so that he can come in and sort of know what to do. Right. And that's like uh, that shows yeah, his weakness. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that's an interesting take. Okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Okay. But now here's the thing. Here's what I think is really interesting. Because in a lesser, you know, in in I don't want to, I want to say a lesser movie, but a but a less thoughtful movie, that would be the element. That, that would be this movie. That would be the entirety of this movie. It would be this conflict between two college roommates. One of them's che- one of them is sleeping with the other guy's uh, love interest. Like that would be like, that would be like the lion's share of the movie. But in this case, that's just the first act. Yeah, which and I it's, think actually, it's fascinating. It's the third act of Last American Virgin. That's another one that sort of takes off, which is not a great oh, movie. Oh, my big burrito. All right, so so Jack Nicholson starts to make designs on his buddy's new girl. Right. I think her name is Susan, played by Candace Bergen. And so Jack Nicholson starts to date her on the side. And here's where I think that this, here's my first objection to your saying that this is. Um, that it's about just about male sexual insecurity because Susan is complex herself. Yeah, she's not a bad person. Right. But she's she's fucked up. She's doing some fucked up stuff, and she knows it. And in fact, the fact that she knows it is is how we know she's not a bad person. That right. she's conflicted about it, but she is fucking up. Well, yeah, she's definitely yeah, for sure. For because sure. she starts sleeping with Jack Nicholson but, and while she's going out with our our couple who thinks that they're working up towards something as as this couple. Right. Now, I would like to point out the other thing that's kind of interesting about this, but but I will say this, it, it really skews towards the male in this movie because you never really see what her motivations are. You never get too far into the head of the female characters here. We're really in the world of Jack Nicholson and, uh, to, a, to a lesser degree, Art Garfunkel. Fair? Um, well, it depends on what you mean by motivations because sexual motivations are always more overt than other motivations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the fact that she's conflicted, I think the fact that she likes that Jack Nicholson is a little more alpha, and uh-huh. she doesn't she doesn't like that about herself that she likes it. That she's attracted to that thing. It's like that Louis. It's like that Louis sketch, right? With the bully. No one knows what you're talking about. So go ahead. No, it's just a, it was a Louis C.K. Uh, Louis, Louis, the TV show. Yeah. Uh, there's a sketch where this woman, he's on a date with this woman, and this bully is in the restaurant where they're at, and he basically, Louis, he, he challenges Louis, and then Louis sort of backs down because he doesn't want to come across as a macho prick. Well, so there's no winning because he's going he's gonna to be fighting a teenage right, boy. Right, he's going to get his ass kicked in. No, I mean, but there's no winning even morally. Like, what am yeah. I supposed to do, fight a teenage boy in right, a donut right, shop? Right, but in the meantime, it totally turns off the woman, and she walks out on the date. Yeah. Essentially. So, so yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, your point is is taken that the focus is more on them during that time, and that's that's to me what's another interesting part is that she just disappears after a while because right. 
Archonfunkel ends up marrying her. Yes, and they end up. Basically, she appears. She appears anecdotally as he's talking about, you know, how how kind of boring and shitty their marriage is. Yeah, particularly sex, sexually speaking. Right. Because right. everything's become this sort of bore. Yeah, everything's become like a, like a series of negotiations. Yeah. And, and polite and polite meetings essentially. That's what they're. That's what their sex life. And so, it, it, yeah, you're right. It follows these two as they become older men. Right. And and but the, but but that Jack Nicholson's sexual. Maneuvering mm-hmm. is also the way he maneuvers everything else in life. Right. Right. I mean, right. it's very clear that he's 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 in business in some sort of in some capacity that's probably shady. You just get that. Right. Right. There's something there. Yeah, there's something sort of shady. Garfunkel he becomes a doctor, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and so so yeah, like his 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 shadiness sexually comes out in the rest of his life as well. So that's. That develops as this develops as he grows older. So now we get to follow them as they're still friends. Yep. Garfunkel more and more begins to see what a disappointment Nicholson is to himself, but also in their friendship. Right. But also Garfunkel has that weakness that he's always had, that he doesn't know how to walk away from this. Exactly. Either his marriage or the friendship with Jack Nicholson. Right. He's one of the, yeah. Yeah. The the, the schoolhouse has to burn down around him, essentially. And, yeah, good, yeah. So, um... Uh, he begins to have an affair with this sort of obnoxious woman, and who Jack Nicholson is about to repeat, like a, a repetition of, well, "Let me set you up with this woman," and then you know dive in and see her on the side as well. Right, right. right. I mean, that's his weakness. He really yeah. doesn't know how to do anything. And the one time he doesn't know, yeah, he knows how to form a relationship. It's with the wonderful Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. God damn it, she she. Well, beyond what you think of her sexually, she's just she's just she's great in this. She's fantastic. Yeah, she is, and she's beautiful, and she just pulls this role off so well. She's it's so, so good. good. She's yeah. so, she is a and, and 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 then she comes in, and she's basically kind of a victim of him. And she, in a sense, like she's buying into it. She's got all that. That's definitely her part of the package. Boy, what's she buying into? What's that? Well, he's he's she's letting. She's letting him call all the shots. He's calling. He's calling like all the sort of major down the road shots. She's not able to sort of get her because her perspective changes. She starts off being very much. They're they're, they're very much like in a, a relationship. Like let's you know hey let's let's what, be cool. Let's what, not let's not pressure each other and all like yeah, that. Yeah yeah. And she begins to invest in the relationship. Right. And every time she she broaches that. Right. He like flips marriage the fuck or children. Like, he doesn't no part have, of it. He doesn't just have a bad time with it. He flips out. It, it leads hard. to it gets becomes abusive. One of the greatest speeches of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm taken by me. Yeah. You want to do some more? Try vacuuming. <laughs> Open a window. The oh, place smells like a coffin. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's so. But, oh, but the thing so... is, well, here's the thing. This is what I like about this film. She is also not likable. Yes. It, it, I mean, it, it's it's sort of a, a, you, you a continuation of the Candace Bergen thing. You could you, you sympathize with her to a certain extent because you can see the abusiveness of the relationship, but you also see her part in it. Yeah. And it's yeah, you're right. She's not. She's. It's. That, that's, this is a movie that deals in gray. Along. Well, no, actually, more like everybody's super gray. Yeah. It's not like it, nobody. No, there's no sunshine. This is not a sunshiny movie by any stretch of the imagination. Probably why I like it so fucking. Everyone's I to blame. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's to blame. Right. It's just that Jack. And in a way, it almost are weird and shitty half the time. It makes fun. us question ourselves because what we want to do is say that the villain 
Mr. Jack Jack Nicholson. And in fact, uh, initially where I wanted the movie to end, I'm glad it didn't. Oh no! Was that when he was... When, was near the end when yeah. he does the slideshow of the women he slept with. <laughs> because and here's why: because it, it, I, I realized later it just would have satisfied my need for him to be the villain. And yeah. when it didn't end, and yeah. he and Garfunkel are still friends, walking out, and Garfunkel knows at this point that he had he had an affair with, with Susan. Susan way back in the um, well, Let me just back it up real quick here. He's showing a slideshow of women he's banged. And like, comment in right this ball busting cunt. And he just he just goes through. He's got a terrible mustache at this point and a oh, comb over. It's God. it's really a, it's it's of it it, it it reminded me of something Patty Trieski would have written. It had yeah, that that yeah. sort of it had a thoughtful and a philosophy oh, behind yes. it. Yes, because because in the end we find like the victim, the ultimate victim of his behaviors over the years, it's and the stockpiling of him becomes him. It's him, of course it's it is. It's amazing, with Rita Moreno. Oh, I forgot about that. She plays this really interesting she's, hooker. She's a hooker who he pays to read a script to him about how fucking awesome he is yeah. before he can get an erection so she can blow up. Right. It is amazing. Yes, <laughs> I totally forgot about oh my, that. Oh, shit, we just... Yeah, you just kind of spoiled the movie. Yeah, I know it's yeah, a really good movie. Yeah, god damn it, it's so good. It's it's a it's a it's a studying character, and just watching that character, it, I want to say evolve is an interesting word in context because yeah. he's also kind of devolving at the same time. Yeah, there's a certain amount like it, that's an interesting because you follow this character over this arc of years, and there's like there's a there's a potential at the beginning. Yeah, there's potential there, of course, and it just just is wasted, and it's. Fuck. This was a this was a great movie. Yeah, it's a fantastic this movie. Is, I had no idea what to expect. No one ever Honestly, talks about it. I don't know why no one ever talks about this movie. And they talk about other movies. That well, you know what? I've, I've done. I did a little bit of research on it. And people yeah. people uh, people break it down in like sort of the most yeah like kind of sim- very very simplistic academic terms. I guess I'm guilty of trying that at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, so. go ahead. But um, I think um, I think people I think people dismiss it. I think it gets dismissed because you know, well, as well, like white white people tears sort of a situation here. Yeah, but what's the, the this is what I like about it. There, there are no tears. Uh-huh. I don't think it asks us to feel sorry for ourselves or to feel sorry. Well, but for that's why I think them. people think it is happening some of the time. On that but one. I'm that's, not. Uh, that's what I that's what I've garnered from what I've read. People. I, I, I'm sounding like I'm, I'm arguing with you, but I, in a way, I'm trying to argue with U.S. proxy to those people. Like, yeah. what are, what's their point? Like, I don't even understand what's what are the tears they think oh, are there. Another, another white guy can't get you know another white guy having weird sexual dysfunction. Oh, well, yeah, all right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Anyway. I guess we're saying uh, two big thumbs up for Carnal Knowledge. 1971's <laughs> Carnal Knowledge. Whatever, man, with your crazy tears. <laughs> I'd like to just say, let's do more, as I always say, more episodes with one film. I mean, my God, Tom. Shut give up. in a little, will you? You lying motherfucker. <laughs> I love you. Uh, um, like, I love this breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, anything to plug? Yeah, come check it out. TomSmithComedy.com. I'll try to keep that updated. I haven't been doing that recently. My apologies. Yeah. All right. Uh, see you guys later. No. See you later.